let's go. Welcome to The Dad Presents. Thank you so much for joining us, you guys. Please remember to subscribe on iTunes and YouTube. And guys, please, 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 if you can spare 45 seconds, write us a little review on iTunes, please. It goes a long way to putting some meat on the bones of my skinny Asian boys. Got to feed them boys. They're growing now. So, yeah, man, I appreciate you. Uh, Let me take off those glasses because they look terrible. Uh, Hey, in just a minute, we're going to be spreading love and liberty with John Knox. He's a lifelong firefighter, and he's the founder of Firefighters for Freedom, and they've been making big headway in the battle against mandates. We've been talking a lot in the past year about getting Americans united in the fight against tyranny, and it feels like, you know, we've just been losing one battle after another in regards to our rights and freedoms. That all took a turn this week, guys. It's starting to turn. The tide is turning. The police chief of the LAPD, a Democrat, mind you, said he will not be laying off his police force for not complying with vaccine mandates. A giant victory. And the mayor of Orange County said he will not be enforcing any of this madness. These are giant victories in California. So the tide is turning. And we've been complaining a lot about people stepping up and fighting back. And it's happening. And much of that credit has to go to our next guest, John Knox. He's the founder of Firefighters for Freedom. And they put an, an amazing protest together last week in downtown L.A. He's going to be on the show today spreading love and liberty in just a little bit. But first, uh, what's going on with you sexy fine freaks? And yes, yes, I'm not just talking to the seven girls listening to this show, but I'm talking to the 10,000 dudes are listening. I see you guys. I know you guys. You dudes are sexy freaks too, and fuck the world for not telling you that every day. You're sexy freaks. We got to celebrate too. So listen, just literally like five minutes ago, just got back inside, just walked in the door from breakfast with the bride. We went on a 15-hour date, at least 15-hour dates. And man, it it was weird. <laughs> it was weird, but it was also good. You know, it's for the first few hours without kids, and we've not had that in a while, we, we really didn't know what the hell to do with ourselves. I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but you get you get away from the kids. It's like you're all excited a night away from the kids. And it's like, we we didn't know what to do. We, we didn't know what to talk about. We didn't know what to do. And of course, we ended up having a big, stupid fight. And then we polished it up with some living room and kitchen sex. And uh, kitchen sex is just the best, ain't it? It's 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 hard when you're married with two boys to have some good old fashioned kitchen sex, you know. <laughs> I'm sure you know boys will be coming home in a little bit, and and and, and Keller will probably ask, "Daddy, why did, why does my French toast smell like mommy's butt?" <laughs> you know, I don't know, I don't know, son. I guess mommy was farting on the counters again. Uh, just good stuff. We had a good time this morning. We went to breakfast, and it was really nice. It was a nice chill time. And, and by then we were in our groove. We had some laughs. We had a nice time, but you know, because I'm used now to constantly talking to dumbass kids, I forgot how dumbass adults can be and are most of the time, most of the time, most, most adults I feel are pretty dumb. So we're sitting in this romantic little plaza, just scarfing down some eggs and bacon and a little cannoli and some coffee the bride she looks around she looks at me and she says oh so pretty here i feel like i'm in europe and i had that kind of european outdoor plaza vibe and and i look around i look around at what she's looking at and i'm like yeah it's nice but babe the this place is falling apart like the paint 
is literally falling off the brick buildings. I don't personally, I don't know why you would paint brick in the first place. Bricks like paint is supposed to protect a building and bricks seems pretty protected, but whatever. They painted the brick and it's falling off. So I'm like, yeah, babe, it's nice, but they're going to have to spend some money to renovate pretty soon because the paint's falling off. And she says to me, she says, and, and I believe her to be right. She says, no, babe, it's, it's not falling off. They do it that way on purpose. It's the style to make it look old and European. And she says this like I'm the dummy, right? Like I didn't know that. So they pay good money, good money. And in, and in California, believe me, they're paying bucks to buy this building and to hire people to put it up and paint it and they spend all that money and purposefully like on purpose do a shitty paint job to make a brand new perfectly good building look old so you're purposefully ruining this building because it looks cool but i'm like babe why does it look cool why why does it look cool because because some fucking retard in home and garden magazine said it looks cool like they said it looks cool and now we're all programmed to say, oh yeah, it looks cool. Or is it because we've been to Europe and it's nostalgic? Is that why it looks cool? Because I, the paint's falling off. To me, it looks like it's falling apart. And just as I'm explaining how this is idiotic and, and I'm get, going into my rant on why fashion is idiotic because it's the same thing, same train of thought, in walks this smoking hot girl six foot tall in ripped pants that she surely spent $300 on as if she was trying to make my point for me. She walks in and I look at her and it's like, okay, you've got, you just, you just did, you just did a gig on the runway. You just got your fat paycheck. You got $300 burning a hole in your pocket. You're all coked up from a good night uh, of, of partying with some, you know, rich uh, trader up on Hollywood Boulevard and you got to go get pants because you pooped your pants from too much coke last night. So you go to Melrose Boulevard and you pay $300 for some broken pants. And you did that on purpose. You paid $300 for pants that are broken. They're full of holes. And why did you do that? Why did you do that? Because some gay boy in Vogue magazine said that's the style? Some gay guy in Vogue magazine wrote an article a decade ago about how cool broken pants were. And now all the girls run out and buy broken pants. And I'm like, you know, do I have to remind you that those same gay boys also had you all running around a decade ago in sweatpants with the word juicy on your ass? (laughs) And, And that... Three decades ago, four decades ago, they had you all literally killing the universe with cans and cans of aerosol hairspray, trying to layer your hair as high as you could possibly go, looking like you all had bird's nests on top of your head. Like maybe maybe they're pranking you. I don't know. I mean, gay guys, I don't think they're in to girls. Maybe they're pranking you. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that maybe this ripped pants thing is a prank? And my wife is like, yeah, but but look how good she looks in those. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, she's a six foot tall supermodel. 
that girl would look good wearing flypaper. That doesn't mean everyone should run out and spend $300 on flypaper pants, right? But it's not just women. It's not just women. I don't mean to pick on the women or the seven women who listen to this show. It's some of you dudes too. I actually used to be one of those dudes, so I know this to be true. I've got a buddy, married with kids. Dude willingly walks around in skin-tight jeans that crush his balls that he paid hundreds of dollars for. Why? Why, bro? You're, you're torturing your nuts and you're paying to torture your nuts. Bro, I love you, but, but you're telling me you did that on purpose? You're purposefully wearing pants that crush your tiny nuts up into your butthole all day long. You made that decision consciously. Seriously, bro? And here, here's the thing, you know, I said I'm guilty of this as well. All men, when they're in their 20s, pay attention to fashion to different degrees, at least a little bit. And why do we do that? Do, do guys give a rat's ass about fashion? No, not typically. Some maybe do, but most of them, no. But, but we, we do know that the ladies pay attention to it and we like the ladies and we want the ladies to like us. So yeah, I was guilty of it. Not going to lie. I, I've been, I was in, in, in my 20s, I was known to go up to Melrose Boulevard with five, $600 in my pocket. You walk in, some attractive girl who, who was just wearing next to nothing would grab you by the hand, grab a bunch of clothes off the, the rack, take you into a changing booth. She would literally take you out of your pants and put you in a pair of $400 beige leather pants and you'd buy them because she said, your butt looks good in those. And I did that, and that's a true story. I bought a skin-tight pair of beige leather pants and a fishnet shirt because some girl working on commission said they were fashionable, and I looked hot in them. And she helped me put them on, and she touched my butt. Sold. Boom. Give me two of them. Okay, but what happens then to most of us is we get married, we stop paying attention to fashion, and then we start... You know, we dress like businessmen or plumbers or most of us just get relaxed and we just dress comfortably except when we need to go into public, right? But not this dude. Some dudes, some dudes what they do is they stop paying attention to fashion and they get stuck in whatever fashion was cool when they stop paying attention to fashion. Like this dude's going to be wearing skinny jeans 30 years from now at his kid's wedding. He's going to be all grizzled up and old and saggy and fat, but, but those nuts will be high and tight and shoved up that butthole in $300 pants, which by then will be like $700 pants because of inflation. Thank you, Joe Biden. And he won't be able to get a boner, but that dude will be stylish if it was 2010. Anyway, why does any of this matter? Why am I talking about this? Well, because it just happened and it made me laugh, but also it applies, right? It applies because as mentioned, Firefighters for Freedom and some other groups are fighting back and they're making positive change. They're kicking ass, right? We got, we got the um, Unmask Our Kids, Firefighters for Freedom. There's a bunch of organizations out in California. They're bonding together. We're, we're bringing them on the show and we're fighting back and we're winning. There was a school goer in, in, in Florida who's been suspended from school 38 times, little girl, for fa failing to wear a mask. And guess what? That one girl alone 
fought and won, and that school is no longer requiring masks. This is a winnable fight. Yesterday, Tim Pool went on a rant about getting fired up and fighting back and not continuing to take these mandates. You know, like he's pushed over his limit. He had COVID. He followed the Joe Rogan, uh, ivermectin, monoclonal antibodies, a Z-Pack, a bunch of other stuff. Got better like that. Same with Aaron Rodgers. Better like that. Media treats them both like they're like they're tards, right? Like they're eating, they say they're eating horse paste. People are starting to see, they're waking up that the media is very disingenuous, right? But guess what? Here's the thing. This is how it relates to fashion. That little girl in Florida, you're never going to catch her in a pair of ripped jeans. Johnny Knox, firefighters for freedom. You never catch that dude in a a pair of $200 nut huggers. Are you kidding me? Wait till you see this manly dude. That's not a gay. Sorry, John. Grown adults who closely follow fashion and go out and spend crazy coin on whatever Vogue tells them to to buy. In general, these people, they're, they're followers. They're followers. They follow a trend. They follow what is trendy. They're followers by definition. Followers by definition, are not leaders. And that doesn't mean that everybody who follows fashion cannot be a leader. Maybe in this one area you get sucked in, right? We all have our, our thing. But generally speaking, and, and yes, we do like to generalize on this show because for the most part, generalizations are generally true, right? That's how they become generalizations that we all understand. Might only be 55% true for some of them, but whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Followers... Listen to CNN, listen to Fox News, and they hear that COVID's going to kill your children if you don't shove an experimental medicine up their arm. They're going to hear that. They're going to believe it. They will take it at face value. They won't ask themselves, is this true? Because a leader, he's going to sit back and he's going to say, okay, before I go out and I get an experimental medicine, which is what it is, and shove it into my child's arm, a medicine in which we don't know anything about the long-term side effects, before I do that... What does the data say about it? What does the data say? Will this actually, will this this disease actually kill my kids? Is Anderson Cooper correct? Is it going to kill my kids? And when they look through the data, they'll think it through and they'll make the correct decision. And hey, maybe the correct decision is to vaccinate your kids. That's not the que- that's that's not the question I'm posing to you. Maybe that's the correct decision. Maybe that's the right thing to do. What I'm saying is. Some people think it through and some people hear someone who they think is an authority figure and they listen to them and they do it. Beeline right to the thing, right to the store, buy those $300 broken pants, right to the doctor, shove that needle in my kid's arm because Anderson Cooper said so and he's on TV, right? It's like 2001, right? CNN and Fox News and every motherfucking politician in the world on both sides, left and the right, they were telling us we had to bomb Iraq. They were also telling us we had to bomb, 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 bomb Iran, right? They were telling us we had to bomb these places because of 9-11. And and 90% of the public was like, hell yeah, get Iraq, Iraq bad. And leaders, some people out there, you're Ron Paul's, you're Jay Maddie's. Some of us were thinking, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Slow down. Wait a minute. Take a breath. I know we're mad. They knocked down our buildings. Fucking pissed off. They killed 2,000 people. These are terrible people. But wait a minute. 
did Iraq do that? Was that Iraq? Does I, is Iraq a threat to us? And if they are, is attacking Iraq going to, to end terrorism? Or did those terrorists come from Afghanistan and they were trained in Saudi Arabia? Hey, wait a minute. Aren't we slaughtering half a million people in Yemen today and have been since the Obama administration on behalf of Saudi Arabia? Aren't we doing that for Saudi Arabia? They didn't they they train the terrorists? I don't know, man. That doesn't seem right. And okay, Iraq. If we fly a bunch of death bomb squad drones and drop them all over Iraq and kill the women and children, is that gonna is that gonna end that's gonna end terrorism? Or is it possible that killing their women and children from from death bombers from above, is it possible that might radicalize the young men who grow up with no families and those young men might grow up very angry and empty and want fucking revenge against the people who killed their families? Because I'll tell you what, if I'm out at work one day, well, I can't be out at work because I work from home. If I'm out at the bar one day getting shit-faced, and a drone flies over my house and drops a bomb on my house and kills my wife and children. Well, guess what? I'm going to leave the bar. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing whatever I need to do to get revenge. Like Liam fucking Neeson. I'm going to be holy hell on whoever did that. Okay? So... If all that's true, and if that's what I would do, is it possible that the horrible, sadistic people who attacked people in New York City also did that? Now, they were horrible. They were bad people. They need to be punished. Those those people need to be punished. Let's, Let's not get it twisted, right? But is it possible they were doing that because of 30 years of our shit government bombing their countries and killing their families? Is it possible? Should we think about that? Should we think about that before we decide to go kill more people, possibly create more angry young men? I mean, I don't know. I I don't know the motivations of those psychopaths who flew planes into the World Trade Center. I'm glad they're dead. Fuck those fuckers, right? All I know is it happened and that maybe we should have we, and when I say we, I don't mean the country. They're going to they're gonna do, the government's going to do what the government's going to do. They're going to do whatever they got to do to get money into the pockets of the people who are funding their campaigns, who are the weapons manufacturers, right? The military industrial complex. Eisenhower told us about it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look up his exit speech. Anyway, we know what the government's going to do. So when I say maybe we should think about it, I'm saying we the people, maybe before we go rah, rah, rah. Yeah, the government said bomb Iraq. Yeah, the government said shove a needle in your kid's arm. Before we do that, maybe we should think it through. Okay? Before we're, we're like, uh, okay, daddy government, you say I do. You boss, I follow. Before that, maybe we should think. Maybe we should slow down, take a deep breath. Look at the data, think it through. Because I'm just saying, a lot of bad has happened in the world historically. 
right? You got Nazi Germany. You got Stalin, Mao's China. These bad things didn't happen because there were bad leaders, right? These bad things happen because there were a metric shit ton of followers behind these bad leaders. If those people, if, if, excuse me, if Hitler's followers would have slowed the fuck down and thought about why are we, why are we, ain't, we're angry at the Jews? Why? Why do we, we want to put the Jews in ovens? Why? If they would have just slowed down and thought about that, they probably would have concluded that, well, you know what? The Jews aren't really the bad guys. Jews probably aren't the bad guys. The Mexicans probably aren't the bad guys. Anti-vaxxers probably aren't the bad guys. You know who the bad guys are? It's the elite who are repressing all of us. And that's always been the case. But hey, you know, we turned a corner. People, they're waking up. They're fighting back. And um, those of you who are, those of you out there who are resisting, who are refusing to wear your mask, who are refusing to shoot medicine into your kid, or those of you, even if you are wearing a mask and you do give your, your kid the medicine, those of you who are thinking it through instead of just listening to Anderson Cooper and fucking Don Lemon, I'm proud of you guys. I'm super proud of you. And I'm, I'm super proud that you listen to this tiny little bullshit show that is not as tiny anymore. Which I'm also super proud about. I'm I'm proud of that because I, I kind of did it. So I'm a little bit proud of myself. But I'm also proud of my country that this kind of message is picking up steam. That gives me that may, gives me hope for my kids. And you guys are the warriors who are eventually going to stop this tyranny that we're surrounded by. So don't spend three hundred dollars on broken pants. I guess is the moral of this episode. Speaking of fashion, sheathunderwear.com, okay? Throw fashion out the window. Throw it out the window. Buy these underwear, not because they're fashionable, which they are. Buy them because they feel fucking nice. They feel so nice. You put a, you slip into a pair of sheath. It's, it's like just climbing inside of an angel's fart. It's just, it's warm and snuggly and it just, it feels good. And, and and another thing makes that package look bigger. And look, I don't know a lot of things. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I do know that all men they want a big piece. The guys who say they don't that they don't care that size doesn't matter, those guys got little dicks. Well, listen up, little dick men. The sheath puts it in a, a snug package and it puts it out there, makes it look bigger. It really does, right? Like like forget fashion. I got my kid's basketball game in two hours. I'm thinking about just rolling up in my sheath because guess what? The wife has to do something else and I'm going solo and I might catch some eyeballs in my sheath. Okay? Sheathunderwear.com. Code word dad for 20% off. 20% off. Sheathunderwear.com. Code word dad. 20% off. Get yourself a pair. Get a pair for your brother. Get a pair for your buddy. All right, guys. And with that, Let's get into the show. All right, guys, we are here with John Knox from Firefighters for Freedom. He's been a firefighter in Los Angeles for more than 20 years, and only recently and out of necessity, he's become an activist fighting these horrible draconian vaccine mandates, and he's helped to put together a very valuable resistance. So, uh, John, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you for having me. 
Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I, I appreciate you. We appreciate what you're doing. We've been ranting and raving about these mandates for a long time on the show. Um, and living in California, I've been very disheartened with how Californians have laid down and just taken government abuse in the last year, you know, like forced lockdowns, put a thousand thousands of businesses out. Uh, they shut our kids out of school for, for more than a year. And it seems like Californians have just been taking it. And only recently I, I have, I started to feel hopeful, especially last week when I saw that massive protest you guys put together. So first of all, thank you for, for, um, activating and getting people involved. And why do you think that finally we're seeing, seeming to get over this hump where, where Californians are starting to push back? Well, I think it's, it's greater than just California. I think actually it's all across America now. Um, I mean, definitely you do see in California, you know, what happens in California or Los Angeles really spreads across the country like wildfire. I yeah, mean, no we doubt. Are a test bed. We are a hotbed for progressivism. Um, you know, our movement started um, about eight weeks ago due to the uh, mandates. And that was basically, you know, you, you shall get uh, the shot or be terminated by October 20th. Sorry about my sinuses. I'm in Texas right now. And <laughs> no worries. <laughs> little bananas right now. But anyway, so um, through that, uh, we decided to fight back. Um, and we created Firefighters for Freedom Foundation. Um we have a, a board of directors of 10 at this time, and we <clears throat> put together a legal team of John Howard, Scott Street, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, okay. And then we put two, two suits on the city of Los Angeles, one on constitutionality um, and the faulty science that they have used uh, to state that vaccination is the safest way to protect both the public and the workforce. And then after we did that one, we had... Um, a rash of intimidation, coercion, um, harassment uh, that came out of that about getting the shot. And so we filed a punitive damages suit on the city for $2.1 billion. Wow. So, you know, we've created a, a massive social media presence and awareness. Uh, you saw the rally that we had the other day. We had somewhere yeah. between five and 8,000 people in downtown in the middle mm -hmm. of the week. Um, and that's, you know, the movement, like I said, you're asking how, how it's happening or what's going on with that. I think that Americans in general, not just Californians are fed up. They're sick and tired of what's going on in their country. And over the past 22 months, we've seen our civil liberties, our freedoms being stripped away, eroded at a rate that no one could ever imagine. Yeah. So I think, you know, to me, uh, I've said this before, this is our 1776. This is the shot it's heard around the world. You know, I, I guess you could say pun intended with that bad, but nonetheless, they both are the thing that, you know, got that movement going back then. And again, now, and so to your question, really, I think it's people are fed up and it takes something that directly affects them, you know, yes, that's it. mandates because we've all become complicit, right? We've all become lazy and kind of apathetic in society and really this normalcy bias that it could never happen here, this United States, right? It could mm -hmm. never happen here in my town or whatever. And so out of that, uh, this movement has sprung and because it's affecting you in a mandate or it's affecting your children in school or, 
whatever. I mean, these draconian mandates are just insanity. So I think people are just really tired of it and standing up. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, we've I've had a lot of guests on the show and and one thread line that's kind of come through everybody is that when people are comfortable, they don't they're not willing to fight and risk anything Absolutely. when they're comfortable. When you have a good comfortable life, when you have security, it's hard to risk giving something up to fight for something that's right. And and now I think people are finally being pushed out of their comfort zone. And, and they, that might be what's spurning this, you know, when your job is threatened, you're going to, you're going to fight back. So I'm, I'm glad to see it. Now you just mentioned um, that this is a civil rights issue and, and that's so accurate. That's what it is. It's a, it's a human rights issue. I saw on your website, it says it's not left versus right or vaccine versus anti-vax. It's a human rights issue. And that, that, that nails it. It's what it is. But what the problem has been is that the media, they've been able to frame it as if, it is um, left versus right, even though it's not um, like this is something that the, the, the NAACP should be on your side in this. Right. The media typically drives stories about civil rights. They should be on your side, but they're not. Um, and we're not going to win this unless we can frame this as a civil rights issue. Have you had any success in getting that message out to the people who are most resistant to it being the left? Um, yeah, you know, we have, uh, again, I mean, y- you look at our legal team, uh, I mean, Scott Street, he is an amazing attorney, and he's worked in every administration from uh, Clinton, all the way through Obama. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you know, I mean, those two names are synonymous with, you know, the left, they've been in the left the whole time. And so this should really tell you, I mean, that blows their narrative out of the water when you have two attorneys that are you know, have been on that side. And now they understand the magnitude of what this fight is, that this Mm -hmm. is a 100% civil liberties issue. We don't care. Uh, You know, the fact that you and I are sitting here having a conversation, I don't know whether you're left or right. And I really don't care. The point being is that we are able to sit down and have some civil discourse. and, And at the end of the day, if we agree to disagree, then we're good and we can still move on with our lives. But maybe something I've said or something you've said will get me to think about something, right? I've pulled that thread and, and let's see where that goes. Um, you know, that's what the, the media and everyone else wants you to believe. I mean, they've tried to divide us for ever one race, religion, sexual preference, gender. Um, why what's vax versus unvaxed. Why, why do you think that is? Why are they, why do they want to divide us so much? Cause it's clear that they want to divide us. Well, you, this goes back to, I mean, it's classic Cloward and Piven strategy. You know, you had those two professors out of Berkeley in the sixties and they basically you divide and conquer. If you can keep everybody separated and fighting over nonsense, then, you know, over issues that really aren't there. Sure. There are racists, right. And there are people that are on that spectrum on, on every side, but that's not the majority. That's the minority. But if you control the media and you allow that narrative to be pushed 24-7 and we just keep throwing more minutiae into that and stirring the pot, then guess what? You're focused on that. Well, you know, the puppet master, what's what's happening over here? Don't look at, you know, look here, but not at this hand, right? Yep. And yep. they're doing their their thing over on the other side of the curtain. So, so true. So true. Yeah. I 
I noticed that in 2008 with the financial collapse, you kind of had you had the left going after the Wall Street elites with their um, Occupy Wall Street, and you had the right doing it, going after government power with uh, with um, the Tea Party movement. They were both kind of had their laser focus on the villains, and then suddenly uh, identity politics exploded. And these two groups turned on each other and everybody turned on each other and, and, and forgot about them. It, it almost feels like that was an intentional decision to like um, to redirect people's attention away from them and back to each other. Yeah, and it um, always is. You know, you, you've got, like I said, that Cloud and Piven strategy and that comes out of. Can you, can you tell, I, I'm not familiar, Cloud and Piven? Cloud and, Cloud and Piven? Yeah, yeah what is two, that? Two uh, professors out of Berkeley and basically you know, they took a lot of their strategy and, and divisiveness and, and out of whether it's the Communist Manifesto or a book called Rules for Radicals that was written by Saul Alinsky. And that's mm-hmm. basically, I mean, if every American should read that book, it's literally the progressives playbook. It's goes step by step through there. And you can literally sit there and you look at this and you read it and you're like, whoa, that's, I mean, it's, it's insanity. Okay. And, uh, you know, now, I mean, they don't even hide it. They tell you what they're doing. They're, they're, they're bold. They, don't. they are much more bold now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you what's can, the name uh, of this book? I'm going to write it down. It's called um, Rules for Radicals. Rules for Radicals. Okay. And it's by Saul Alinsky. And uh, it, what's really interesting is when you open it up and the first page in there, it's dedicated to Lucifer. <laughs> no kidding. Scratch your head. Well, like, that seems what om- omnious. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's, uh, it's really wild. Um, you know, and again, this has been, been going on for a long time. I mean, that's why it's called progressivism again, you know, it. Yeah. Progressivism doesn't necessarily mean moving forward into something good. No, it's just changing, right? I mean, they're going to chip away, whether it's with mandates or regulations, it's a hundred year plan that has really created this, this mess that we're in now, you know, and now we're sitting on the precipice of, you know, the giant toppling and mm-hmm. yeah, turned the water up on that boiling frog, you know, this is the end game. And so, you know, we started this as our movement to, you know, to save my job, right. Save mm-hmm. all of our jobs. Um, it's much bigger than that, you know? And so at this point I'm willing to be terminated. I have no problem with that because this is way bigger than that. You know, this is about saving our country and the freedoms that we have that we're afforded, right? We have these inalienable rights that are given to us by God, our creator, and they're enshrined in the documents that we have, the constitution, the bill of rights, right? The declaration of independence. And those documents were designed to protect our freedoms and to limit the power of the government. And so it allows them to govern us through our consent it mm-hmm. doesn't allow them to rule us. And yeah. The, the, the declaration of independence, the bill of rights, all that, it's just paper, right? It's just words on paper and it doesn't mean anything. They have no power unless people put power behind it. And they've all, I mean, our, our rights, the bill of rights is all, but, been thrown out really. Like if you look at the first four amendments, the most important four, they've all been basically thrown out in the past couple of years. And I love the boiling frog analogy. It's one I've used a lot too, but that doesn't feel like 
the case anymore. Like the boiling frog is a, a frog in water. If you slowly turn up the heat, they won't even notice they're being cooked. Well, they're, they're not slowly turning up the heat anymore. I mean, they've, they've gone from like maybe 50% to full blast. Yeah. Um, so Excellent. that may be waking up some people. Now, let me, let me ask you this. So, you know, firefighters, especially in a state like ours, California, um, seem pretty important, right? Like we're, we're constantly in a drought, wired wildfires all the time. I don't know if you, what you were doing as a fireman, if you were fighting wildfires or whatever, but are they really prepared to lay off something like 20 or 30% of firefighters in the state of California? Well, that number, I mean, that's questionable number, you know, um, I would say it would be at least 30%, you know, and <sighs> for us in the city of Los Angeles, um, cause I work for LA city fire department for us, it, you know, you're looking at upwards of 50% of the fire department. My goodness. If you're not vaccinated or you're, you don't have that shot. Now they push the date to December 18th, but you know, as of this week, well, what's today, Friday, mm-hmm. starting next week, they're coming through and they're giving a piece of paper out that basically says you have 48 hours to sign this paper that states by December 18th, you'll, you will, uh, be in compliance with the mandate, fully Man. vaccinated, um, you know, all of these other things, testing twice a week, um, just a lot of nonsense. And if you don't, we're going to put you off, leave no pay right now, pending, you know, your, your termination board. Rights. Wow. And that's, that's so dark. Um, th- they want you to sign that. Like, do you, uh, you look like you're about my age. Do you remember the movie Dazed and Confused? Have you uh-huh. ever seen that? Okay. Yeah. So the, the star in that, the quarterback, the whole movie is about his coach wants him to sign this piece of paper stating that he will live right and not not do drugs and not party and not hang out with bad crowds in order to be a part of this team. Right. Now, the whole movie was about whether or not he would sign it. And he he wouldn't sign it. It's not necessarily because he wanted to do drugs. It's that he didn't want his coach determining how he was able to live his life. So yes. like people, guys like you, um, it's not that you're against the vaccine. Like I don't hear a lot of negative talk from groups like yours about what the vaccine actually is. It's that you don't want to be told what to do with your body. It's a body autonomy thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's where the narrative needs to go because everything I, I, I hear from the media and, and all my friends who are on the other side of this issue they they put it under the lens of why are you anti-vax? Yeah, and so we're not anti-vax. You know, I mean, I've had vac- vaccinations, right? Okay, so um, I am about anti-mandate. About I'm anti. I'm pro freedom of choice. Yes. Now you go to our website, and we have an education page there that has tons of information so that you can, if if you want to get this, or you're thinking about getting this shot, this experimental medication, Mm -hmm. then that's what, that's what it is. It is absolutely. You know, we have, you can't call it a vaccine because it's not so, and the CDC says it's not Pfizer says it's not, you know, well, the CDC changed the definition of vaccine recently to accommodate this, but But go on, go on with your way. It doesn't matter. I could care less. If you want to get it, then go ahead and get it, but make an informed decision on what it is you're putting into your body, you know, and that information is so dispersed and people have a hard time 
digging and finding what's true and what's not. And so what we've done on our education page is we put, you know, all the clinical trials, there's 173 clinical trials that are ongoing right now. There is not one finished clinical trial. We have the 20 main clinical trials that are also going on. You can go and look at all those. Mm -hmm. We have the VAERS database there. You can actually go to the VAERS site, which is the government report, um, where there's over 880,000 adverse reactions to this shot. We have over 36,000 of those downloaded onto our site. So you could just go in and look. Mm -hmm. Um, We have information on alternative treatments. We have, you know, stuff like America's Frontline Doctors. Um, frontline critical care, COVID critical care. I mean, there's all kinds of information there that you can go and make an informed decision whether this is the right thing for you or if it's not. Either way, I could care less. It's mm-hmm. not my decision what you do to your body. Exactly. It should be none of your business or the government's business or the local bureaucracy. They're not here to dictate my health care. They're not right. here, you know, and, and a perfect example that I use all the time. I mean, this California in 1973, we had Roe versus Wade, you know, my body, my choice. I use that narrative now and it sends them over the edge, but look, I'm not trying to take a life or do anything with that. All I'm saying is it's my body, my choice. I should be able to determine what I put in it and what I don't. Yes. Period. The story. Yes. There is. And you know, it, it would be, like I could see the other side's point of view if, say, this was Ebola, and if you're within ten feet of people and you breathe on them, they're going to catch it and die. Then, then I can at least understand the other point of view. But that's not what this is, and the fact that they've lied about what this is for so long, and and you mentioned alternative treatments. The fact that if you even talk about alternative treatments, you will get banned. Like they're creating an an air of distrust. They're doing that. It's not people who are naturally skeptical of of the medical community. It's that the the way they've gone about this has created distrust. It's it's their fault. Yeah. Um, I actually I did get the vaccine maybe like three four months ago. It made me sick for four days. I regret having getting it. As, as I've learned more, I've just. I wouldn't, I'm not, there's no way I'm vaccinating my children. It's not a threat to them. And the, the, the idea that they might actually kick the kids out of school if they don't get the vaccine, like we've been here 20 years, we are seriously considering moving from this state because of that. And we're not the only ones. There's a lot of that. There Um, there absolutely is. And, you know, I mean, and again, that's, that's someone's choice. And, you know, have I thought about it? Absolutely. I have. But at this point now, I'm here and I'm in this fight and I'm not giving up. You know, I mean, California is actually a great state. You yeah. Know? And I've been here most of my life. And to run away to another state to me is what's happening. And I'm seeing it because I'm traveling all over. I'm speaking all over. I'm doing all kinds of things. It's moving to all these other states. I'm in yes. Texas right now. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, Texas, they're literally trying to take over Texas. Mm. Uh, and who would have ever thought that Texas would, I mean, this is a land of fighters, oilmen, right? And so. Yeah. Um, well, you said it, you said what, what happens in California, it's only a matter of time till it spreads through the country. That's for culture. That's for politics. That's everything. So yeah, fleeing the state, um, you're ju- you might be out running it for a little bit, but if, yeah. if we don't win that, the battle here, it's going to infect the whole country. 
and it will. And so, you know, one of the messages, so me as a public servant, I have a different strategy than what, you know, most of uh, business America can use. You know, I, I have to go about things a little differently in the way that we fight this. Mm-hmm. But people always ask, well, what can I do? What can we do? And my message is, you know, everything is a business model, right? So small business, large business, Fortune 500, whatever, they're all private businesses. And in the private sector, their bottom line is dollars. If they're not making money or they're not beholden, you know, to their shareholders or whatever, then there's hell to pay in that yeah. aspect. And so you as Joe Q citizen or small business person, employee or whatever, even a Fortune 500, there's power, strength in numbers. And so how do you battle this? Well, you know, you said activism. So your company, if you don't believe that these mandates, if you believe in freedom and you think these mandates are wrong and you don't want to do this, whether you're anti-vax or you just don't want the shot or whatever, anyone in that company should understand the bigger picture in this. It's not about a shot. It's about your freedom. And so those people need to band together, create some conversation amongst their group, and then step outside of that business. You know, take your 30% of that business and the people that believe in freedom and walk away mm-hmm. and watch what happens. That mandate will stop in your business. Yeah. Like, wait, whoa, you just we, I, I can't hire 30% of my workforce, right. specialized workforce. It doesn't matter. There has to be people there. And the more people that step outside of that, they literally will stop what they're doing, reverse mm-hmm. that, tell the government to jam it, and they'll bring you back as an employee. I mean, it's happened all over the place. Right. So same thing. You know, It's like I spoke the other night in Santa Monica for Children's Health Defense. And I said, look, what... Everybody's like, what do we do? I said, this is Santa Monica. This is Los Angeles. And you guys, everybody's wearing a mask. Why? Why are you wearing a yes. mask? The science <laughs> proves we know. So everyone's just following along. So mm-hmm. I said, what's going to happen? You know, if one of you go, I mean, people, I don't ever get harassed about masks, you know, but I'm a bigger guy. I'm covered in tattoos. And so, you know, maybe that's an intimidation yep. factor. I don't know. People don't say anything. But for, you know, a five foot two woman that goes into a store without a mask, you know, people harass her. They feel like they're, you know, these hundred percent. I've seen it. So I said, look, how about once a week, you know, you guys all go out together, get Mm -hmm. together and go shopping on that same day. And 20 of you go into the store without a mask on. What are they going to do? Right. Kick you out. There's 20 of you. Have them call Mm -hmm. the cops. What are they going to do? There is no law. I don't care what anybody says. And so they literally that night after the thing, they all got a group of 12 people together and walked next door and went into Walgreens with no mask on. They were empowered. They're like, we can actually do this. Yeah, you can. You have to push back. Civil, peaceful civil disobedience is. Yeah. I mean, if you can walk into Walgreens and steal up to $900 worth of stuff 
and not get arrested, you should be able to walk in without a mask and be just fine. Like people, Absolutely. people need to not be afraid about this stuff. Yeah. You, now you mentioned fighting at your job and yes, very important, but it's also important for people like myself. Like I, I won't need it for my job. I work from home. Um, people like myself, we can fight with our, our spending dollars. Like I'm not going to frequent any place that requires me to prove I have the vaccine and, and whether you're vaccinated or not people, you know, Government and big business, they're kind of in bed together on this. And it's because, you know, government gives big business certain benefits and then big business um, uh, carries out their mandates. Well, they're not going to do that if it hits them in the pocket. If everybody stops going to Walmart because Walmart is requiring masks or showing a vaccine, Walmart's going to change your mind. Absolutely. People got to fight that way. Because, again, it boils down to dollars. And if their customers stop coming in, they're in trouble. Right. Mm-hmm. Huge. So. You know, that message gets out and gets pushed throughout across the country. People start realizing it's no different with your schools. Look, your school gets paid $50, $75 a child a day for them to be there. Mm-hmm. That's why when they don't show up, you start getting those phone calls from the school, yep. right? Well, look, if they're forcing your children to get vaccinated, then that group of parents that doesn't believe in that, if that's a hundred people or 200 people, you pull those children from school, what are they going to do? They don't have the resources to come after a hundred people, 200 people. Mm-hmm. So hit them in the pocketbook where it counts because they get state dollars, they get federal funding, whatever it is. You need to understand that everything is a business model and your way to fight back is to hit them where it hurts. And that's in the pocketbook and you have the power. Same mm-hmm. thing. This is a grassroots movement, right? So if your school board is mandating that, you know, your children need to be vaccinated, well, then who put them there? We did. Right. Yeah. Either A, from maybe you didn't vote for them, but you didn't stand up and say, I'm going to run for that office. I'm going to be on the school board. I'm going to do whatever. So, you know, 100%. We're all complicit in this, no matter what, whether whether you didn't vote or you just, you know, felt like sitting at home watching Dancing with the Stars and drinking a beer after a hard day at work. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the time where you actually need to get your ass in gear, excuse my French, and literally be active in your community yep. because it starts from the bottom up. So if you don't like what's going on in your school board, then guess what? You need to step into that place and push those get a recall on them and yes. push them out of there and take that position. You know, yeah. We I told the change that we want to see period. Uh, absolutely. I told, I told my wife 100%, if we make the decision to stay here, I'll be, I, I hate politics. I'm fascinated by politics. Is that me or is that you? Not That's me. me. I'm sorry. That's right. I don't know how that happened. Um, I, I, I hate politics, but I'm fascinated by them. Um, but I'll run for school board because if we're going to stay here, we're at least going to we're at least going to put up a, a fight. Uh, my dad ran for school board at where, where he is. He he won. Like we need to start taking over the like we need to start taking some power instead of just whining. Um, now, let me ask you this. Uh, it seems like they're going really hard after the police department, the fire department, the military. Um, yet the post office is exempt. Like if anybody should be mandated, if we believed in mandates, maybe the people who go to every single house in America should, should have to do that. And, and I'm questioning myself, like, why would that be? And what it feels like to me is it's a little bit of an attack 
on masculinity. You mentioned you're a big guy, you're tattooed all over the place. I think they think if they can get the fire department and the police department to fall in line with this shit, it's all over for the rest of it. Yeah. So you're, you're 100%, you nailed it on, on the head right there. And so, I mean, you've got only not, not only the post office, but you've got, there's 10 million people that are exempt from this, the white house, Congress, judges, uh, all of the employees of Pfizer and Moderna, um, you know, there's a huge. Are you kidding me? The employees of Pfizer and Moderna are exempt and the White House. Uh-huh. The CDC, you know, they're all exempt from getting this shot. And so that should raise questions. You know, why is it that the people that are manufacturing this experimental drug are exempt from it? Um, and to your point, yes. So if they can attack the frontline workers, you know, your first responders, because I mean, let's face it, people do look up to us based on our job description and the things that we do to help the public. Um, That being said, when you take, you know, a role model out, or you take someone that you look up to and, and you take them out and you get them to take that knee and whether it's to take the shot or to give up some Liberty or whatever, then guess what? They're like, well, they're doing it. It must be okay. You know, I, and then mm. that mandate rolls out to the general public and it, it just steamrolls them, you know? So again, like I said, you know, this is way bigger than, than my job, my career, my pension, any of that stuff. This is about the freedom for all Americans. And so, you know, that's one of the beautiful things that I realized early on is that we have this platform to be able to speak because people do look to us. Um, you know, I mean, when you call 911, it's the worst day of your life. You know, you expect me to show up and mitigate a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Things, what's going on that you don't understand how, whether you've been shot or you're having a heart attack or your, your toilet's overflowing, whatever it is, you know, yeah. I don't have a 911 that I can call. Um, I have to be able to do some critical thinking and be able to uh, mitigate your problem and, and make your day better in some way. And so, you know, to me, there's no difference in this right now. I'm standing up for myself and for every other American in this country. And, but at the same time, my job, my goal is to empower everyone else because, you know, we can sit around all day long and vote for, you know, this president or that president or put these people into Congress or our local government. But if we don't take action, they're not going to save us. You know, there's no politician that's going to do anything for you. It's Mm -hmm. up to us as Americans to take this country back. And so that means that we have to be engaged. We have to be empowered. So how do we do that? Education, right? And being able to see someone stand, you know, if someone sees me stand and speak and, and that enables, you know, one person, then, then that one person in their sphere of influence has the ability to make someone else. And it's no different than taking a magnet and dragging it through the dirt, right? What happens? All that iron comes together on that magnet, right? Everything else is pushed away. All life goes to life, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the Bible says, iron sharpens iron, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it, yeah. all it takes is, is one person to stand and start speaking and move. And, and man, it just snowballs. Yes. Yeah. You you talked about education and, and I, I believe like all of this started a long time ago in the schools. Like they don't teach in the schools anymore. They don't really teach about individual 
civil liberties and individualism. They teach collectivism, right? So parents, uh, like long-term strategy, parents need to get more involved in what is being taught in the schools. Um, take back control of that because we're, you know, uh, America is supposed to be a nation of rugged individuals who are willing to take chances and accomplish great things. And we're losing that a little bit now. And, and that's not good for long-term now, but I want to ask you, so I saw on the website, Orange County, they've said that, um, they're not going to fire the, the firefighters for not getting the vaccine. The mayor said that Los Angeles, the sheriff said he's not going to enforce it with, with his police force. He's, and he's a Democrat. Yes. Um, so there, there are some positive changes being made here, but of course, with both of these people, the term that gets thrown out is the say is they're racist. Like they turn this into the, a racial thing. Uh, Larry Elder, who said he would get rid of the mandates, a black man running for governor, they were effectively able to wipe out his campaign by calling him the black face of white supremacy. Yeah, I'm sure they've been throwing that kind of stuff at you. I don't know that for a fact, but I can almost be positive. How do you neutralize the racism claim? So... <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you can call me a racist. I've been married and, and uh, you know, uh, two, two of the, uh, uh, my groomsmen were African-American, you know, I mean, so. Yeah, they can still do it. They, yeah, they don't care about you that. Know, they, you can say whatever you want, but your actions speak louder than words, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could sit there and call me any name you want. It doesn't mean anything. It's what I do in response to that, right? And so right. if you go and you look at my life or you look at what I'm doing or any, uh, speech that I've given or interview, there's nothing that points to that. I mean, our city council and our fire commission even has come out and said that, you know, we knew this radical right wing uh, group was inside of the fire service. And this is absolutely wrong for them to be standing out. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, at no point ever have I given my political ideology and it doesn't matter what that is. I mean, I've said from day one and we've said as a group we are not left versus right. We're not vax versus anti-vax. This is not an apolitical movement. We're here to bring people together. This is a human rights issue. And so I want all humans to, to unite for this cause because, you know, the only thing truly that you do own, you know, you, you own a house, right? But you don't. If you stop paying property tax, they're going to mm-hmm. come and take it, even though right. you paid your mortgage off, right? There isn't anything that you own other than your sovereignty and your body, right? Your body houses your soul, connection to God. So with that being said, if I give up my sovereignty, my body rights, my body autonomy, well, guess what? I don't own anything. I become yeah. a slave at that point. And that's every human. It doesn't matter what your political ideology is, because in reality, if we allow this to go, you know, there won't be a left versus a right where Mm -hmm. we can have some civil discourse. It basically is going to flip because those individuals, it's going to be a top down oppression at that point. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, this again, you can say whatever you want, but go and look at that rally. I mean, we had close to 8,000 people there and it wasn't all a bunch of white rednecks, you know, with Trump flags and that. I mean, we had Lexit was there. That's the Latino exit out of the 
out of the Democratic Party. We had Blexit there. That's the African-Americans. You know, I mean, we had all kinds of people there from every ethnicity under the sun there on one issue, human mm-hmm. rights. Yes. This is a human rights issue. So you can call me a racist. You can call me whatever you want, but my actions don't show that. And, you know, neither do my words. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. But it has been an effective tool on their their side and their people listen to it. So there's got to be a way to just dismantle that over time. You mentioned well, slavery. Uh, yeah. I, I want to touch on that. So I that feels like the end game to me is it's gonna we're becoming a society of the elite and powerful and everybody else and this the whole thing of putting people out of work for a year and a half and getting them on on that government tit and now people don't want to go back to work because in some cases when they go back to work they make less money we're getting to a point where the powerful are going to have control over all of us. And once that happens, then you, then you can't fight back. There's, there's nothing you can do because you at that point need them. And that's what concerns me. Yeah. And I mean, so COVID was a perfect weapon for that. I mean, if you think about it, what happened, you got 15 days to flatten the curve, right? And in Mm -hmm. there they said, okay, let's put a mask on everybody. What does a mask do? It covers my mouth, covers my facial expressions. You can't see if I'm angry, sad, happy, whatever, right? It's very important when we speak to people that we can see what's going on. It again, it muffles your voice, right? It discourages you to talk. So then while you're wearing a mask, we put you in lockdown in your house for six, eight months, right? You can't go out. You can't see your family that's in the hospital. They're dying. You know, they're sick, whatever. You can't go to weddings. You can't you know, you could barely go to the grocery store at one point. It was so bad. And so we have, now we have you locked down. You, you have no ability to talk to anyone other than on telephone. But again, you know, people are just now let's take this and let's put a 24 hour news cycle into your home. We have a captive audience now because they can't go to work. They can't go out and They are now fed because we know that six companies own all of the media outlets. Mm -hmm. Those six companies are driving the same message. It doesn't matter where you go. You can go and look and see the same message comes through that television, 24-hour day news cycle. And what do they do? They feed you fear all day long that you would have thought this was a flesh-eating virus. That like if you stepped out of your house, there should have been dead bodies everywhere based on the information that they're giving you. And so now we've got you locked in your home. We've got you masked so you can't talk, got you segregated and isolated from people because, you know, your first amendment, right? Freedom of assembly, right? You can't assemble. We've taken, we've stripped you of that liberty. Uh, You can't go to your church or your synagogue or your, your, you know, imam, whatever it is and worship God. Um, So they've taken that first amendment right away yet strip clubs, liquor stores, those things are open and those aren't protected by the bill of rights. So now they say, here we go. Let's, uh, when the shot comes, you're going to go back to normal, right? Life's going to be good. You're going to be able to get this and and return. Everything's going to be normal, but yet hold on a second. Now we need a booster, you know, or a second shot. And Mm. now we have to have boosters. You're not fully vaccinated until you're boosted. Um, and, oh, we're going to bring masks back now because, you know, it's still unsafe and the vaccine that was supposed to work and protect you is 
this, the Rochelle Walensky of the CDC came out and said, you can still get it and you can still transmit it after having this. So now there's that whole mess. Now we've got in the city of Los Angeles, we're, we're doing vaccine passports, right? So now we're segregating you even more and discriminating against you because you can't go into any indoor building other than a grocery store and possibly your church without your papers. So there is no end to this. They're going to continue to push this overreach and it's a control structure, right? To basically see who's willing to submit. Now we have contact tracing where, you know, it's on your phone and they want to follow you everywhere you go, see where you're doing. Mm-hmm. You have to register with these companies like Fulgent that sell your DNA to China. And I mean, it's insane what they've done over the past 22 months with invasion of privacy, you know, the stripping of your first amendment rights. I mean, first, fourth, fifth, 16th. I mean, you name it, it goes, the list goes on and on and, and they will not stop at this. So Mm -hmm. this is why it's so important to stand up and fight man when you lay it out from start to finish like that because this has happened over two years when you lay it out start to finish it's so it's number one terrifying and number two preposterous like when you have right from the go when you can go to walmart with a thousand people but you can't go to your corner store when you can go get some marijuana and booze but you can't go to church like that should be all every anybody needs to see to know that there are ulterior motives here kids have not seen each other smile at each other in school for a year and a half that can't possibly be good for their mental health their development any of that and i i i shiver to think about the consequences of that in our society a decade from now well yeah you're right i mean think about that they're they're conditioning these children who a we don't have any deaths reported, right? No. Children under the age of 18. Although we just now uh, in Sonoma County, I just saw it this morning, uh, 15-year-old, two days after the shot, died. Um, And you're starting to see that happen more. So now we're having deaths from the vaccine or from the shot, Mm -hmm. but no deaths from COVID. Yeah. And how about suicides, right? Suicides and all of the mental health issues that go along with that, in addition to the conditioning. So now you've got these kids you know, children are very impressionable as well, right? So now you're spewing fear into them, okay? And so now they're afraid that going outside is going to get them sick. And Mm -hmm. you're suppressing their immune systems by keeping them muffled. Um, And so what is that doing to their their psyche, you know, 10 years down the road, like you said, they're not going to be able to go out of the house when they're 15, 20, 25 years old without this mask because they think that the world is just going to come and eat them alive and they're going to get something out of fear that's been driven into them now. I mean, there's so many issues at hand with this. It's nefarious isn't even a word. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's really, it's bad. disgusting. It's disgusting. It, it, it infuriates me. Um, we're, we're, we're coming up on our time here. Um, I, I appreciate what you're doing. I, I, I hope, I hope we can win this. Um, I love your hat, by the way. Um, is that something we can get on the website to contribute to this cause? Absolutely. Um, so if you go to our website, it's firefighters, the number four freedom.org, firefightersforfreedom.org, or you can find us on Instagram at the same tag, firefightersforfreedom. Um, 
On our website, we have a donate button. You can donate to the cause. It goes to our legal fund. It goes to you know uh, education, promoting, you know, speaking, getting this message out there. Um, and we also have a, a tab on there under swag where we have you know we've created uh, shirts, hats, stickers, you know that kind of stuff, and all of that. All the proceeds go back to uh, again funding our mission of moving forward and spreading freedom, uh, you know, and helping stop these unconstitutional mandates because that's what this is really about is, you know, stopping the mandates so that uh, you know in the court system so they can't continue to just push this narrative, you know, because the whole thing behind this is it's their ability to step around the legislative branch of government, you know, mm-hmm. no, they can't pass this. That's why the president, you know. He mandated it because he knows he can't get it passed. So if we can knock these down, well, not if, when we do knock these down, um, you know, it will show that they're 100% wrong. And and then, you know, again, people pushing back and maintaining their freedom is super important as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just on that, you, 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 it's important to win in the courts, but we've already seen from the Biden administration when we get a, a victory in the courts, like with this uh, the the rent thing, they just ignore the the court decision anyway. So it's it that can't be the end point, you know. We no, got to win not. in the courts and then continue on after that. So again, thank you so much. Uh, keep it up. We 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 really appreciate people like you out there fighting because if you're not doing it, you know, if nobody's doing it, we're screwed. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Have a great day.